So God, you are our Father. We are your children. God, I pray that that would be more and more real to us. God, I pray that the words of my mouth, that the meditations of every heart here in this room today would be acceptable to you. God, in your name we pray. Amen. Well, it's great to be in worship with you all this morning. And just in case we haven't met before, my name is Daniel Triller. I'm one of the associate pastors here at Belprez. Hope you all had a very Merry Christmas. And I also want to say welcome to those of you watching on the podcast, to, to those of you who are visiting from out of town, welcome. To those of you who are home from college, welcome home. And to all of the kids, all of the students here with us this morning, you know we don't have Sunday school upstairs. We love having you guys here. I'm going to need your help later on. So get ready. All right, one of my favorite movies is a movie called Life as a House. Came out about 15 years ago with Kevin Kline, Hayden Christensen. And now it's not a good movie in any objective sense. In Rotten Tomatoes, the movie review website will tell you it is below average in just about every way. But I love it. And it's one of a couple movies that brings me to tears every time I watch it. The other being the 1995 Seattle Mariners Refuse to Lose highlight video. Can I get an amen? Maybe you remember it. Here comes Junior around third base. They're going to wave him in. I mean, it's emotional. But anyway, the reason why I love the movie Life is a House so much is that it's about a father and son relationship that was deeply broken and throughout the movie is healed and restored. And having lost my father at a young age, it just gets me and brings me to tears. You know, in the movie, the father learns he has cancer decides that in his remaining years, he's gonna build the house he's always wanted to build and somehow convinces his son to build it with him. And as they build this house together, they rebuild their relationship along the way. And throughout this Advent season, we've been doing this sermon series called And He Shall Be Called, where we've looked at some of the names of God and why they matter, how they help us understand who God is and what God is like. And this morning, we're gonna take a look at another one of those names that we find here in Isaiah 9 that our God is Everlasting Father. He shall be called Everlasting Father. And now out of all the names for God, this one might be the most relational, the most personal. You know, it feels like it's calling us to something more. I mean, to say that God is our Father really conveys a sense of closeness, intimacy, relationship. But here is the trouble with this one. You know, out of all the names of God, this one likely comes with the most baggage, Because let's just name it, some of us don't have good and healthy relationships with our earthly fathers. I mean, some of us do have incredible relationships with our fathers, and we praise God for that, and that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But the truth is, not everyone can say that. Because we've got people in this room whose fathers were absent, angry, manipulative, the list goes on and on. And so when I say God is Father, depending on your situation, what you very well might be hearing is that God is unreliable, or that God is upset with you, or that God is untrustworthy. Or maybe you're like me and you didn't always have a father growing up, and so the whole thing with this name of father, you don't really have a problem with it, it's just the whole notion is kind of vague or incomplete. And so for some of us, the idea that God is our father just doesn't sound all that compelling. And for those of us who feel this way, all I ask is that you hold this all with an open hand. And so here's what we're going to do today. All we're going to do over these next few minutes is ask one simple question. What do we want and hope for in a father? What do you want 
and hope for in a father. And I'll give you the three things up front and then one by one we'll work through them as we look through some moments in Matthew's gospel along the way. God is a father who one, tells us who we are, two, shows us the way, and three, lays his life down for us. He tells us who we are, he shows us the way, he lays his life down on our behalf. Now this isn't an exhaustive list, that's impossible, but hey, it's a start, and before we jump in, there's one caveat in all this, and it's that we need to be careful not to take this father language too literally, because the thing is, God is neither male nor female. God has fatherly attributes, but he has motherly attributes as well. For as it says in Isaiah 49, can a mother forget her baby, though she may forget, I will not forget you. And so I think the best way to put it is this, our God embodies the perfect love of a parent. The perfect love of a parent. But even still, we've got to put some language around it. And God most prominently reveals himself as father. And so we're going to lean into that this morning. All right, let's get going. Our God is a father who tells us who we are. I mean, one of the most important things a father can do, maybe the single most important thing a father can do is tell his kids who they are who they belong to, you know, to simply say, I love you. Now, kids, there's a lot of kids here this morning. Let's be honest. Sometimes it's just not the right time for mom and dad to say, I love you. You know, like when they're dropping you off at school or choir or sports practice and they get all sentimental and yell out, love you. And you're thinking, mom, dad, you're embarrassing me. I mean, come on now, how many of us have been there? Well, my mom and I had a difference of opinion over this one, and so she came up with a little I love you sign language. She would point to her eye, I, make half a heart, love, you. I love you. I mean, it's a fair compromise, right? Mom gets to say what she wants to say in a way that I can tolerate. <laughs> but kids, we know, we know that there are other times where we need to hear our fathers say I love you, because there are times when our world will say you are not enough, you're not good enough, smart enough, pretty enough, on and on it goes. And so we need the person who knows us best to say, you are enough. And the brutal reality is, some of us have just not heard our fathers say it as much as we would hope. You know, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is when Jesus is being baptized. We had Eva and Jackson in the 9 a.m. service just moments ago being baptized, and Jesus was baptized too. And during it, a voice came down from heaven. It's his father who says, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. It's a beautiful moment where we see the great love the father has for the son. And what I love most about that moment is that it takes place immediately before Jesus is being tempted in the desert by the devil. And he's not given in to any of it. Because Jesus knows going in, there's nothing to prove. Because he knows who he is and who he belongs to. You know, as Christians, we too claim those words that the Father said to the Son on that day. You know, as Christians, God the Father says to us all, you are my son, you are my daughter whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. There's an organization called I Am Second. They put together these testimonies of people who are trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus. I mean, it's a cool name, right? Jesus is first, I am second. I recently listened to a testimony of a guy named Jeff Fisher, and he's, coincidentally, he's the head coach of the St. Louis Rams, who our Seahawks play later today. And during his testimony, he talks about how for years as a coach, there was something missing. 
He said he was losing that opportunity to be the dad to the young men he was coaching because, shoot, he was essentially a father who had 53 sons who played football for him. And then one day, about five years ago, a close friend asked him, do you really believe, do you really believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? And in that moment for Jeff, something clicked. He said, it wasn't a weird thing. It wasn't a born-again thing. It was just a peaceful, really cool moment where I just felt like that I had no longer, or I felt that I was no longer the dad anymore, but I had actually become a son. And it makes things that much easier from a day-to-day perspective. I can handle those responsibilities because I know I have a father that is looking after me, that has got my best interest in heart. And now maybe what I appreciate most about Jeff is that he's 57. He's lived a good amount of life, but he's still figuring things out, learning as he goes. I mean, he knows he's fallen short as a father figure, and maybe there are some fathers, some parents in the room who are feeling right now like they are falling short. And if you're feeling that way, just keep this in mind. Jeff's turning point came when he realized he's not just a father. He's also a son, a son of the Heavenly Father, and that has given him a sense of peace and confidence for the road ahead. I mean, deep down, we hope for a father who tells us who we are, And God is our everlasting Father who says, you are my son, you are my daughter whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And so that's the first thing we hope for in a father, a father who tells us who we are. And the second is this, God is a father who shows us the way. I mean, yes, we absolutely need a father who's gonna tell us who we are, but we also need a father who will show us the way, who will teach us, guide us, walk through life with us. All right, kids, I need you again, adults too. How many of us know how to ride a bike? Awesome. Well, I'm gonna guess that some of you littlest kids in here have training wheels on your bike, and that is awesome too. You know, most all of us had training wheels once upon a time. And for those of us who are older, we all remember that day where we said, Mom, Dad, I'm going for it. No more training wheels. And to make that switch, you needed Mom or Dad to help you out to run next to you, alongside of you, as you gained confidence, as you got comfortable riding your bike without training wheels for the very first time. Y'all, that's what fathers do. They show us the way. I mean, fathers teach us, they help us learn how to ride a bike, teach us how to swim, help us learn how to read. They show us how to make a fire, teepee, log cabin, whatever your style may be. They show us how to tie a tie. They teach us, they show us how to drive. And in return, we show them how to use their computer. (laughs) That's what fathers do. They show us the way. And here's the moment where some moms might be saying, hey, wait a minute. Those things you just mentioned, I taught my kid those things. And absolutely, absolutely, we need our moms to teach us those things too. You know, my mom taught me just about everything I know, and I am incredibly grateful for her but we're asking the question, what do we want and hope for in a father? And you all, we want that in a father too. We want a father who will show us the way. And for some of us, this is where we're deeply hurt. You know, their fathers haven't shown them the way. They feel like they've been left behind. And there's this realization that they have to figure out life on their own. And of course, this is also where the larger community comes into play, where other men or women step in, grandparents, teachers, coaches, neighbors, people who step in and fill the gap. You know, I had great men in my life who took me to more sporting events, bought me more burgers than I can count. You know, they helped me figure out life. 
I mean, one time I even innocently asked my friend's dad one of life's most fascinating questions. Why do some eggs have little baby chickens in them? And why do some eggs have normal egg stuff in them? It's a fair question, right? Now, I brought this moment up to this dad a couple years ago, and he honestly said he didn't remember me asking that question. And frankly, I can't blame him. But that's what fathers do. They show us the way. You know, shortly after Jesus was tempted in the desert, we see him calling his first disciples. You've got guys like Peter, James, and John. They're fishing at the lake, doing what their fathers had taught them to do. You know, here's the bait you use. Here's how you cast the net just right. And then here comes Jesus. He says, follow me. And so as it says, they left their father and followed him. I mean, two chapters later, these same guys are listening to Jesus as he gives the Sermon on the Mount. And in the middle of it, he teaches them how to pray. And how does it begin? I mean, Bell Perez, it's a prayer that we pray often here at church. And say it with me. Now, how does it begin? Our Father. What's Jesus doing here? Well, he's helping them see God as their Father, who will lead them and guide them, who's going to show them the way, provide for their daily leads, help them learn how to forgive and be forgiven, help them fight off temptation. It's a prayer that they're going to pray day after day after day. Our God is a father. He shows us the way. And now if by chance, if by chance this idea that God is a father who shows us the way, if this is sounding too abstract, my simple encouragement is that we need to be people who regularly read our Bible because this is the primary vehicle in which God the father shows us the way. Because think about your earthly parents. Because you've spent so much time with them, because you've logged in so many hours with them, you hear, your, you hear their voice even when you're not with them. You know, I hear my mom's advice in my head all the time. You know, for the healthiest food, shop around the perimeter of the grocery store. Don't mix darks and lights. You know, in times of discernment, when I don't know what to do, I hear her say, Daniel, you can't steer a parked car. And so in the same way, do we as children of the Heavenly Father know the Bible, God's written word so well that we hear it. We hear it even when we're not reading it. You know, when we're faced with conflict or when we're thinking about how to steward our money or when we're thinking about how we should relate to our spouses or kids or parents, do we know God's written, written word so well that we hear it even when we're not reading it? Because if that's the case, then this idea of God the Father showing you the way isn't abstract at all. It's about as real as it gets. And on top of that, we gotta be in relationship with these very kinds of people. You know, these days we can learn how to do just about anything through a series of YouTube videos. But as for figuring out what it means to be a man or woman of God, it's gonna take nothing short than other men and women of God to help show us the way. You know, I get to step into our men's ministry here at Bell Perez, and I'm excited to make those very moments happen. So guys, keep your eye out for more in the weeks to come. All right, that's the second thing. Our God is a father who shows us the way. And the third thing is this. Not only do we long for a father who's gonna tell us who we are, not only do we long for a father who's gonna show us the way, but we also long for a father who's gonna lay his life down for us. Now, I'm not a parent, but if I understand it right, a huge part of being a parent is embracing the reality that, if, that your kid's problem is your problem too. That if your kid gets sick, then guess what? You're probably getting sick too. Or if your kid procrastinated once again and has to stay up late finishing a school project, you might very well be staying up late into the night too. 
That's what fathers do. They lay their life down for their kids, give up their freedom, they sacrifice on their behalf. You know, one of the most poignant memories I have of my dad is remembering him fall asleep while reading my brother and me bedtime stories. You know, he would leave for work while it was still dark, work hard during the day, and come home and fall asleep sometime roughly around page seven. You know, I'm sure there are fathers who, had that, who have had that very same moment not too long ago. You know, we long for a father who's going to lay down his life for us. And for some of us, this is where there is pain. You know, we don't feel like our fathers have really sacrificed for us or were truly there for us when we needed it most. Now, we got to fast forward a bit to the end of Matthew's gospel, and you can probably see where this one's going. Jesus Christ is being nailed to the cross. He's laying down his life on our behalf. It's the greatest display of sacrifice the world has ever known. But there's something unbelievable, something incredible taking place as Jesus cried out some of his final words, and it's pretty subtle and easy to miss. You know, as he's nailed to the cross, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And are you seeing what the problem is? You know, from the very, very beginning, Jesus knew God as Father. You know, during his whole earthly life, just about every prayer we see Jesus pray is filled with Father language. God was his Father. But he's not calling him Father anymore. Now it's just God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's about as awkward as any of us calling our moms and dads by their first names. And so what's going on here? Well, as Tim Keller points out, as Jesus lays down his life, as he dies on the cross, he is giving up his sonship so that you and I might be sons and daughters of our heavenly father. Jesus is giving up his relationship. He is giving up his rights and privileges as a son so that you and I might be sons and daughters of our heavenly father. Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And Jesus, God's son, so loved the world that he laid down his life for us so that we might be children of God. For as it says in 1 John, how great is the Father's love that he has lavished upon us that we should become children of God for that is what we are. You guys, that's what fathers do and that's what Jesus did. They lay down their life so that we might have it. Belprez, God is our Father. He is our heavenly, everlasting Father. He tells us who we are. He shows us the way. He lays his life down on our behalf. You know, as I mentioned earlier, my father passed away many years ago. And I've been thinking about fatherhood for a while now, in part because of this sermon, but also in part because tomorrow marks 20 years to, 20 years to the day since he passed. I mean, 20 years, it's hard to believe. And in all honesty, it's not an incredibly emotional day. I mean, yes, it was emotional in those first few years, but it's not incredibly so anymore. And in many ways, it's just like every other day. And I'm sure you all have days in the calendar just like it. You know, important markers in your life, whether good or bad, days that you just see coming down the tracks. And Belprez, I want you to know that sometime during the day tomorrow, I'll be thinking about my father, thinking about fatherhood, and I want you to know that I'm going to be praying. I mean, I'm going to be praying for you tomorrow that whether you have the greatest father or whether you have the worst father the world has ever seen, whether you think you are the greatest father 
or whether you think you are the worst father the world has ever seen, whether your father is still with you today or whether he is long, long gone, I'm gonna be praying for you. That the things that we've talked about today would be written on your heart, that you would know them all the more, that God is your father. And I want you to know, I'm gonna be praying the same thing for me too because the Lord knows I need it too. Bel Perez, God is our father. He tells us who we are, he shows us the way, he lays his life down on our behalf. Let's pray. God, you are father. God, we are your children. God, help us to know that all the more. Help those words, help those truths, help that reality be written on our heart. God, I pray that the reality that you are Father would satisfy us, that it would give us joy, that it would give us hope. Whatever our earthly father's situation may be, God, you are our Father. In your name we pray, amen.